I'm Deren Garhi, and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. From their first memories of laughter to being laughed at, or maybe their no laughing matter moments. Now that it's happened, I wouldn't change a second of it. My life has radically changed since then, you know, and for the better. And when, when the shit hits the fan and when life gets tough, that's when you see people's true colours shine. Mm. It's not when things are good. It's when stuff goes wrong that you see what people are really about. TV and radio broadcaster Sheila Shoiga is my guest this week. She tells me about interviewing Meryl Streep at the age of 19 and how just maybe cancer was a blessing in disguise. I hope you enjoy. Sheila Shoiga. You are extremely welcome to the laughs of your life. I feel that I've been made feel welcome, you know? I'm feeling good here. Well, you brought the coffees, so, like, we had to make you feel welcome. It's great. It's so lovely to be sitting here with you, with the mics, and uh, about to have the chats, feeling, I'm not going to lie, a little bit scared. Okay, but in that's a go- good. In a good way. I'm a big believer in the old stepping outside of the comfort zone is where the magic happens. Exactly. So I think we're going to make some magic. <laughs> <laughs> Look, at, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. Yeah, no, it's good. And it, hey, it's great to see you because, you know, you know, you know, I'm a big fan of yours anyway, as a human. I think you're great. And I love the fact you're doing this. I think this is really, really brilliant because I have been asked no more than yourself to go on shows or chat but you don't, um, I don't know, I think with the, the type of style of questions you're doing, not questions even, but what you're triggering, really makes you kind of delve into your past and it allows you to remember stuff that you'd kind of forgotten, which I think is really quite something. So, um, Well, I'm excited to hear. Yeah, yeah. So we obviously know each other through Bio. Yes. Um, my sister, Avian and her friend Sharon, it's their brainchild. We'll give them a shameless plug. It's a great um, day. Yeah, love yes. it. So Bio events um, where it's all about wellness and looking after yourself and mm. putting yourself first. And you have been an integral part of the Bio team uh, for about a year and a half now. Yeah, delighted. It was, it was so lovely when Avian reached out and asked me to get on board. Um, and it's been, it's been hugely beneficial for me on a personal level. And I've learned so much from the other speakers, everything involved in the day. And I just think it's great. I think it's great to have a day that delves a bit deeper than the stuff we see. Because for me, that's the stuff that makes me tick. And that's Mm -hmm. important to me. And that's, I suppose, that helps you live a, you know, a more content life. One where you feel like you're embracing all of what you are and the good stuff and the not so good. And I think it's, it's, it's great to see days like that happen. So, yeah, applaud them for doing it. It's lovely to be part of it. Well, we love having you as a part of it. Thank you. Now, shall we launch into what Let's this is all about? Let's do it. Okay, Sheila Shoga, your first memory of laughter. Okay, so when I was, obviously, when you're thinking of that, you're thinking when you were a kid. Um, and for me at home, I suppose my dad made me laugh and continues to make me laugh. And, uh, you know, it's funny how you're kind of transported back into different times and different environments. Mm-hmm. But for years, I probably broke the poor man's back. But for years, I used to hop up on his back when I was going to bed and he'd do horsey down to bed. So you know, the house is a bungalow, so it was handy. You didn't have to climb over stairs or anything. <laughs> so going down the hall, horsey, horsey and throw me into the bed. And sure, of course, I'd be absolutely bursting laughing. Um, want to jump back up on his back again and do it all over again. I'd say that went on <laughs> probably a few years too many. <laughs> The poor man's probably like, Sheila, James. 
<laughs> have you not? Have you not had enough now, Horsey? Um, and, you know, I suppose things like, as you know, our mum is from Inishman. Mm-hmm. So we would have spent summers out there, out in Arran, or back in Rasmuk, where my dad is from. And like, you know, chasing chickens and thinking it's the most hilarious thing in the world. That You know, the poor chickens are terrified and terrorised by me. And sometimes I'd catch them and <laughs> maybe let go or not let go. But that used to, I used to find that hilarious. I remember like, there's even photos of me as a little plubber, like running after the chickens. Apparently. I was a plubber too. Yeah, hey, I still am. <laughs> you are no longer. Um, I know, it's great. And you were the youngest of four. Youngest of four. And what was that like? Well, I mean, everybody says to me in the house, you're spoiled, the usual, like you're spoiled rotten and yep. couldn't say anything to you and you were protected by little. Of course, when you're the youngest, as you can probably yes. connect with, I, I, I think like, do you know, well, in a way, you have an easier time because the, the, the older siblings have gone ahead. They've and paved the way. They've paved the way. They've done the first discos. They've done the, you know, the kind of yeah. novelty wears off. Not the novelty, but... The protectiveness wears off a bit yeah. for you. So you kind of yeah. get away with murder. You do. My mum always is like, I let the guard down with you. <laughs> Around six class. Oh, let the guard down. Was, that's where it all went wrong. Yep. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I was I was probably minded then in other ways because because like Graw was the eldest and then the two lads in between. So two older brothers and then an older sister. You were you were always looked out for as well. School was great for that because oh, you yeah. kind of you knew that if anything went, you know, wildly wrong, they were there to kind of have your back. Totally. Like Eamon was never known as Eamon. You know the way, you know, lads particularly are known by their surnames. So he was known as Joyce, even though Shoige, but Joyce is the English for Shoige. Yes. So he was known as Joyce or Joycey. So I was always known as Joycey Berg. Little Joyce. I love it. Little Joyce. <laughs> There she was, a little Jice going around. No, but like, so it was always like you'd be walking around and uh, yeah, you were like, you felt like you had bodyguards at school, like, sure. And the lads would pass you and then you felt really cool with your friends when they said Jicey Book. Yeah, I think as well, though, <laughs> as the youngest, I think, for me anyway, you kind of have to fight to find your place in the, in the, in the family. Yeah. Because I think... Obviously, the eldest, as in Avian, kind of, she was the eldest. She was, you know, she was ambitious. She was competitive. Alva was the kind of business head. But you kind of have to, like, I know I had to kind of be funny. I, I was obsessed with Avian and Alva. I just wanted to be their friends. So my way of doing totally. that was to be funny and to make them laugh. Yeah. And that's kind of, not that I'm not saying I'm funny, you know, whatever. Maybe some people think I am. But you are. You know what I mean? And, and you're so right. And I totally connect with that yeah. in that. You know, you idolise your older siblings, don't you, when you're the youngest? Totally. They seem like the coolest people ever. And inevitably, well, in my case, I would have annoyed them because I would have nicked clothes or makeup off my sis. Yeah. And like music off my brothers and usually denying it until I was found out or like they lifted up the, the you know, the quilt and underneath was a load of makeup or CDs, whatever. Um, but yeah, I did idolise them. But yeah, you do have to find your place. It's a really interesting one, isn't it? I think everyone's perspective on the youngest, including the person who is actually the youngest in the family, is always different. Yeah. But I, I don't necessarily buy into the they're spoiled, rotten no. thing. Um, of, course, but, of course, we'd both say oh, that. Yeah, of course we would. Of course. <laughs> we should probably get a third person in to give an opinion. <laughs> Okay, right. Sheila, the first time that you felt laughed at, and this is a tough one. It's a really tough one. I don't know about any particular season. I do know that the lads, we in secondary school, like the, the classes would have been mixed. And the lads used to do, used to love pulling the brass traps of all the girls. But used to love doing it to me because, as I said to you earlier, I was pretty fiery. So I would react. Right. I'd get so picked. you were the perfect target. Oh, perfect. 
pull the bra strap. Eventually she'll get thick. And, ah! and I turn around and go, ah! and I think one day I grabbed, I won't say his name, Casey's listening randomly 20 years on or whatever. Um, I think I grabbed his hand and got really thick. And of course, the lads found it hilarious. You know, so they kept doing it. I was like, I have just given them more ammunition to keep pulling my bra strap. That was not that long ago. I know you'll probably be like, it was eight. It was not. And isn't it like that would not be allowed now. There's no way that would be allowed. For for all the right reasons. For all the right reasons. But like back then it was just the crack. I remember that even in in the Gwail Tucks and stuff, all that stuff going on. And I, I read a really... I can't remember who tweeted it, but I thought it was fantastic recently about um, a girl coming home from school and saying, you know, such and such a boy was mean to me in school. And do you remember the stuff that we were fed growing up that, oh, well, he obviously likes you. That's yes. why he's doing it. Connemara love. Which is really, yeah, it really is. That was that said that's, to you. That's the, that's the what Go what away. Call it. Yeah, Connemara love. I never heard that. Have you never heard that? Never heard that. Connemara love is the idea of a guy throwing turf at a girl ah, because he fancies stop. her. Stop. All right, yes, yeah. that's yeah. the phrase. Sheila, I'm shocked you didn't know Imagine, that. Imagine, never heard it. <laughs> I could have met a girl who never actually heard it. Yeah. That is so, and you know, that's a whole other conversation because yes. the damage that does, because you're, you're feeding that type of, of, you know, information into young minds that actually, if a guy treats you badly, it's because he likes you. What? Yeah, it's cracked. So that was, going back to that, was kind of like, well, if they're, pulling your bra strap, making you feel uncomffortable, mm. doing something kind of shitty. Oh, but clearly, they, they don't, they're only doing it because they fancy you. Isn't what? It, isn't it gas? Mad. So it's, isn't it great that we're at a stage now where we're actually saying no to that behaviour? And it's not about becoming sanitised no. or not having the crack. I totally believe in having the crack. And it's very healthy and very normal. But there's certain things, and certainly p- making people feel uncomfortable is one of those things that we should be able to say no to that, you know. I went in, I remember, to a shop to buy a, a birthday card for a girl all I saw were princesses on the cover mm. and the lads were, you're awesome. And it's about strength and, and going out. And yes. And, and going out and taking on life was what I kind of got from the boy cards, which were, yeah, you can do it. And the girls are about some, it's like, I, okay, maybe I'm looking at them too deep away, but <laughs> no. it was felt really submissive and yeah. like, off you go there into your little ivory tower until the great man comes along on his, you know, horse and so, he rescues you. It's so you know? funny how ingrained it is. Something like that birthday yeah. card, isn't it? I do it think so? it's changing, thankfully. Yes. It really is changing and we're, uh, we're, we're in the wave of it now, which is a fantastic thing. But uh, anyway, I know I completely digress. So adolescence was yeah. kind of the... Yeah, and, and that was a period of, of feeling laughed at. And the, what that comes back to for me is purely not being comfortable in my own skin you know really having a lot of learning to do and getting okay with who I was mm-hmm. um, and that's nobody else's fault that's just I suppose it's kind of it's a part and parcel of growing up it anyway totally isn't it? Is. it totally yeah. is yeah it is it's hand in hand you know those teenage awkward they're they're called awkward for a reason because yeah. you just don't know what you're at or yeah I, totally. I, I wouldn't want to go back there no I wouldn't want to go back to that time okay Sheila mm-hmm. the moment when if you didn't laugh you'd cry Right. This is yet another one that I had to really think about going because when you think about it, I'm thinking about stuff that made me laugh and cry some sort of at the same time or at different stages. But randomly, a a memory came into my mind that I had forgotten about that is kind of amusing, but also a little bit like you feckin' Egypt, you know, um, and it is right back into the beginning of my career in the media business mm-hmm. and 20 years ago. 
So at the age of 19, as I said, I'm nearly 40. So mm-hmm. at the age of 19, I presented a movie review show for TG Cahada with Tina G at the time. And once a month, usually once a month, I'd be traveling over to London to interview like the big names, like the big actors or directors or whatever it might be for a movie. So I'd, you know, at travel 19. on my own. I know. And the thing about me, just to put it into context, is at 19, I still had puppy fat, a very round, I still do, like a very round face. Stop. But I looked about 15, 16 at 19. I looked really young, you know. Mm. So I was going over on my own. You would, you'd, um, usually it was like the likes of Columbia TriStar. They'd fly you over. You'd be first class now. So I, I used to get like little miniature bottles of champagne and I'd, I'd bring them home to myself and the girl I was living with and we'd have like beans and toast and a little champagne in the <laughs> I evening. Love it. Yeah. So you'd fly over and then you'd get the tube and you'd go to the Dorchester. You'd be in there like with the likes of your Jonathan Ross and whoever is were there, you know, on these, you know, yeah. you know them, these big press junkets. And I remember thinking like, you're out of your element. What are you doing? Imposter uh, syndrome. Complete imposter syndrome. Yeah. It felt like the most surreal thing in the world. Um, I, they must have been thinking, is this somebody's kid? Like, what is she doing here? You know? So anyway, one time I went in to interview um, Joel Schumacher, the director. And I was there to talk to him about his movie, Eight Millimeter. People may or may not remember, but it's, it is 20 years ago. And it wasn't, a, it's not a particularly well-known film, but mm-hmm. the quick synopsis of it is Nicolas Cage is a private detective and he is um, trying to discover whether this video he found, he uncovered, is real or not. And it's basically, it's, it's the concept and the idea of a snuff movie. So it's pretty dark material um, and it, the movie is very, very dark. So he's he's trying to discover, you know, was this, you know, was this girl murdered? Did the blah, 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 blah. Yes. right? Okay. So um, I'm talking to him about that, and because you get a limited time, so as you know, you'd have your stage people or your floor managers, and they'd be mm. winding you up. And usually, you got about eight minutes of an interview. You get your tape, you get on your plane, and you go back and you'd edit your piece. Yes. So he kept asking me questions about the movie. I think he was fascinated. He was asking me my age. I said I was 19. I was pretty sure I was about the same age as the age of the female character in the movie. Okay. He was fascinated and he was asking me like, what did you think of it? I was like, I'm meant to be asking you the questions. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then, you're, you know, the, the stage manager, she, or floor manager, she was winding up the time and, and he kept putting the hand up, right? Okay. And I was like, this is a bit mad. Anyway, that's fine. Did about a 20 minute interview, went home, we featured in the show. But then I got this letter that was sent through from Columbia Trister yeah. and it was from Joel Schumacher and it was to that Irish girl that came to London I want her to come to... The reason I'm laughing is I have not remembered this. This is why I think the structure of your podcast is so clever because I have not remembered this in years. But anyway, he wrote letters saying, I am shooting a movie in Ireland. It was Veronica Guerin that he was going to be making in Ireland and I want this Irish girl to come along to the auditions. Bloody, 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 blah. I saw the letter out. Jesus, isn't that mad? (laughs) Put that over there now, forget it. Because I had no confidence... I had no feelings of self-worth. I thought that was just Aramiars. Obviously now, looking back, why would, why would the likes of Joe Schumacher make contact if he wasn't interested? Now, if I turned up, would I, would I be the next year's Ronan? Highly unlikely. You never know. Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. But I might have got a part like, you know, making a cup of tea in a scene in the movie. But, you know, you never know where life will take you. And yeah. I suppose the lesson from that is... 
don't do what I did. And, you know, but then I also believe that life yes. has a way of working out and I'm exactly where I'm meant to be right now anyway. Exactly. So who exactly. knows where things would have went. But it just is interesting that it does, it kind of makes me want to cry and laugh at the same time. More laugh, really, at my stupidity for not even acknowledging it. Do you I know. know. You, so you did nothing about so it. So he's just seemed really, an, apparently the word back, and I'm not saying this, I'm just saying what was fed to me was he was really enamoured by me. For whatever reason, I think he was just fascinated, really. My because God. I looked so young. Yeah, and because he was then going to be filming this, this, this movie in Ireland, which I had no idea at the time what the movie was. And then, of course, I saw, you know, the trailers for Veronica Gear and whatever. So if you didn't laugh, you cry. Is it because of the opportunity you missed? Yeah. Or is it because you're sad that you didn't have the confidence to believe in oh, yourself? Oh, well, do you know what? Yeah, I very good. Both. Probably both, actually. Yeah. I'd love to go back to the younger me and with all the stuff I've learned, particularly in the last few years about myself. Um, but I still, I still find that I struggle with feelings of self-worth. Of it's interesting that even at the ripe, nearly old age of 40, that I still feel like I question myself or I, I wonder, am I good enough? And I think that is something as I think a lot of us battle with, you know, but I certainly feel a lot more comfortable now and confident now than I was at 19, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't know my arse from my elbow. And I think that's something we will all battle with forever. I think yeah, there's, there's probably a bit of an idealization of getting older. And, you know, I look at my mom and I kind of go, you know, she's 57 and I would think. God, she couldn't possibly have any problems, mm. you know, not problems, but, you know, feelings of lack of self-worth. I you, yeah. But, I, but of course she does. Yeah. And I think it's, it's almost like happiness. Yeah. You know, you achieve one thing and you think, I'll be happy then. I'll be happy when I lose weight. I'll be happy when I get mm. the house mm. or whatever. But it's not, it's a, it's a journey. Yeah, yeah. And we don't want to get too airy-fairy. No, but it. you're right, yeah. Totally. But self-worth is, is a journey too. Completely. And it comes in pockets. Yeah, it does. It really does. Okay, Sheila, your no laughing matter moment in life. Right. Um, so no laughing matter. And once again, I think <laughs> laughter is such a gift. And you find, I find that um, laughter is, it's, it's healing. And you find it in the darkest of corners. So when, when, when heavy shit happens in your life, for me, humour is a big part of my coping huge part of it um but i suppose being told at 32 that i had cancer was certainly no laughing matter you know mm-hmm. um it was it was scary and surreal and my initial reaction was one of what what's going on you know and i, I cursed a lot i'll be honest when the doc told me in disbelief you know, I was, I was, you know, look, I'll say it here. Um, but I was just like, fuck, really? Fuck, no, fuck, really? Fuck. It was that kind of thing initially, because mm-hmm. you're kind of you you're you kind of go into shock because you're not able for it. The tears came for me later because it didn't land with me initially. Because yeah. I was kind of like, hmm, what now? Not me. Yeah, exactly. And I wasn't expecting it. I'd had the operation, but I'd also had a biopsy that came back clear so um, I wasn't expecting it. And I was first thing on a Monday morning. So I didn't have anyone with me. So it was just a checkup to check on the scar and you know, make sure I was grand before I went back to work. So, um, I mean, yeah. So you were ready to go back to work. I was ready to go back to it. work, yeah. But then they said, look, we have to go back in and get the rest of the gland out. So, you know, you're not going back to work. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the psychology of the second operation was very different. I remember the waiting to go down to theatre 
felt like an eternity. Whereas I was I was totally grounded the first operation because I suppose at the time I didn't realise it was cancer. It was just a thing I had to get sorted and get done because I had basically your thyroid gland is a little butterfly shaped gland sits at the base of your neck and on the left side mine had swollen up. So it's it's sometimes known as a goiter. Um and it can happen sometimes if you're I believe if you're under or overactive um in your thyroid function. But anyway, um so yeah, so I kind of thought this is just something I have to get done and I was ready for it to happen because I'd been living with a lump in my neck for such a long time. I was like I was over it. I was like I was kind of almost excited about getting it out and and done. In you a, know, in a, you've spoken about this at Bio before yeah. in a more of a vanity way. Yeah, completely because at the time like what? I was 32 of 32. So like a year previous, I had been on TV Monday to Friday, live telly with my sister, mm-hmm. presenting a daytime show with her own name. And all I would do if I ever watched any of it back was I couldn't see what I was wearing or what my hairstyle was or yeah, anything. Yeah. All I saw was a lump in my neck. I was like, oh, really bothering me. Yeah. And everyone would be either nice or genuinely wouldn't notice. They'd say, oh, no, I don't see it. I think a lot of time people were just being kind, but I really noticed it. But it was also starting to grow pretty rapid towards the end. Mm. So I knew I knew it shouldn't be there, it, you know. Um, so thankfully, I listened to my gut instinct, which really at the time was led by by that. Exactly what you said, vanity. It was the fact that it was bothering me on a physical level. It was bothering me. So but I feel very thankful for that now. Um so, yeah, so going back in for the second operation was, was scary, you know, um, but I was very lucky. I'd, I mean, the doctors and nurses are angels. And like, as you know, I would always say this at BO as well. I bow my head to science and isn't mm-hmm. it a wonderful thing? Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a really surreal time in my life um, and certainly one that none of us ever expect. If you're ever diagnosed with anything, be it cancer or something else, and um, that shakes up your world and makes you look at it slightly differently, you realise that you're not this invincible being. You know, you, you kind of go, God, OK, things can change pretty rapid, you know, and it makes you look at life. So now at this stage, I feel very lucky, weirdly, that it happened because it's given me a sense of a perspective that I wouldn't have had before. I hope nobody has to go through something as serious as cancer to get the kind of learnings that I've got. Um, and I only say it because I'm, I'm a lucky person that got through it. And, yeah, and is that a scary thing to say out loud? Not scary, but is it kind of like, mm, I need to be careful. It is, it is. You it know is, what I mean? It is, it totally is. Um, because it's so emotive and it can trigger people so much when you talk about cancer because every single one of us either know somebody who's had cancer or... Or, or lost somebody to cancer, mm-hmm. be it in a family situation or friends or colleagues or whatever. So it is, you have to be very careful about what you say. Um, and I, I, my intention is never, ever to hurt anyone else. Or, but I can only speak my own truth. And for me, for certainly for me, I feel, and I, I have had this conversation with a lot of people who have come out the other side. Mm-hmm. And luckily, thankfully, there are a lot more of those stories nowadays than there were. I think it's very different from this generation so mine and yours versus, say, our parents, where when you t- when you were told you had cancer, it was almost like the word death was echoing in the background. Totally. So thankfully, a lot can be done now. Um, and awareness and is, is huge, huge, huge. And for me as well, I was very lucky that it manifested in such an obvious place in my neck yeah, you that I got to that. see it. Yeah. yeah. So I got to treat it early. Um, 
so lucky, so lucky. And I wouldn't change it now. Now that it's happened, I wouldn't change a second of it because my life was going a certain way. Mm. Um, and my life has radically changed since then, you know, and mm. for the better. And like, if it hadn't happened, would would I would I have my little boy, Cahill? Would I be in the relationship I'm in now? I don't know if I would be. Because everything, the good and the bad, leads you to where you're meant to go. So even though I spoke about that story about, you know, that missed opportunity, who knows what that would have led to. But I, I, I'm so content to where I'm at right now that I can own all the, the decisions that I made along the way that were the right ones for me are, at the time, maybe not the right ones, but ultimately they were. Do you know what I mean? Totally. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it is no laughing matter, but I will say through my process of healing the humor massively helped me massively helped me and it helped other people feel comfortable around me as well okay Sheila the person you always laugh with yes um luckily I've a lot of you know great pals in my life and you know we can have an old cry together or have a laugh together or a combination of both um my dad probably always makes me laugh really since I was a kid um and it's funny how I love sometimes watching him watch a funny film because he proper belly laughs at certain things, you know, particularly like movies that we grew up with, you know. Um, Isn't that passively watching something? I watch my granddad watching Mrs. Brown's Boys. Okay. And, the, and it's watching yeah. their reaction that's yeah. the best. Yes, totally. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan. Like, it's, it's good, but I'm not, you know, I wouldn't be a diehard fan. My granddad absolutely loves it. Up. And yeah. it's, it's watching them yeah, that yeah, you yeah. get the joy from. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, and as we were talking about earlier, I think sometimes some people are just funny boned, you know. Um, so, yeah, luckily, um, my other half, who hates being mentioned, he totally makes me laugh. Um, there's a lot of slagging in our house, mm-hmm. a lot of slagging. He won't let you away with anything. And if I say anything, that's anyway, anything. And he'll absolutely rip the piss out of me. <laughs> but we're, it's always it's always deserved. But it's funny. And um you know, I, I like to give it, I like to take it, but think. That's an interesting sentence. <laughs> wow. All right. I was, keep, I was remaining composed, Sheila. Hashtag promo. You. Hashtag promo. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, I know, but you need that. You need that totally. balance. You need someone who keeps you on your toes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it, I think keep so. Keep it funky, keep yeah. it interesting. Yeah. Well, if you're going to decide to spend a fair old chunk of your time with another human, mm-hmm. You want to be able to sit down and have the serious chats, but you also want to be able to have the crack with them. And like, you know, I, you know, I, I hope, I hope we're going to be old and grey together. And, you know, I hope that when we're old and grey that we can still have a laugh. Totally. It's so important. Do you know? So, um, so I'm lucky that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you have a laugh with baby Carl. Oh, come here. Do you know what? He is the best crack. And the age he's at right now yeah. is gas. I mean, without, without wanting to sound like which I think all new parents think your own child is the best thing ever. Yeah. Which I think is probably just um, nature and the way it should Pride. be. Pride. Yeah. But like he is, he's a ticket um, and he loves having the crack himself. He loves laughing and hide and seek and acting the maggot. And, uh, you know, he's chatting away now and running around the place causing mayhem. He's great fun. It's lovely. When their personality starts to come out, it's yeah. That's with Avian's baby, Honor, it's... That's the way it is, isn't it? Personality and the crack. It only gets better as well. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, A time where you had the last laugh, Sheila. And this one, so far, has been kind of, not tough, but people kind of go, oh, God, I don't don't like to have the last laugh. I wouldn't be that kind of person. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't um, take enjoyment out of laughing. 
Yeah. But I think we all kind of like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I th- it's a, it's a re- once again, it's one of those ones where you're like, wow, how do you answer this? Mm. Because, you know, is it then if you say something, do you think you're not going to come across very well or whatever? Yeah. But this is more rather than a dig at certain people or situations. It's more of a thank fuck my life didn't go that way (laughs) and ultimately it led me to where I'm at so isn't that great Mm -hmm. so it's probably more of a not even a last laugh at the universe but uh more I got one up there yeah or even thanks Mm. for bringing me all that pain and turmoil (laughs) at the time yes because I couldn't see the benefit it would bring to my life so I always say that if I had a crystal ball back in the time when I was diagnosed with cancer through the year of treatment. I was in a relationship with someone. And during that year, that relationship ended. And at the time, it was horrific. It felt really, and the word I always think of is violent because I had such a physical response to it, such a mental response to it, such an emotional response to it. And it wasn't necessarily about the relationship. It was about the fact that I felt disempowered, I felt lost. I felt at sea. I felt like somebody had pulled the rug out from underneath me because I was trying to continue on the cancer treatment path. And I had to then move out of the place I was living in that I felt like was my home for a, you know, a period of time. So I felt like, well, now I'd, where, the, where am I going to live or what am I going to do? And what I felt really, really lost mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, God, if somebody showed me a crystal ball in my life now with Cahill and with Damien and, you know, where I'm at and how I feel about myself and my life, I would have thought like, what? Do, I mean, number one, I wouldn't have recognized anything. But it's amazing how, and it sounds corny, but I remember my sister saying this to me and it's, mm-hmm. it's a Garth Brooks song. And I'm not even a Garth Brooks fan, but thank God for unanswered prayers. Oh, my God. Do you know what I mean? Where you think you want something to be. And it wasn't even that I was so invested in the relationship. It wasn't that. Mm. It was just that I suppose I saw the truth of the situation. Um, And when when the shit hits the fan and when life gets tough, that's when you see people's true colors shine. Mm. It's not when things are good. It's when stuff goes wrong that you see what people are really about. And um, it was it was a really tough time in my life, but it led me on the path of, which is, you have to do a bit of work here, Sheila, because something's not right. Something is not right. All of these things can't be collapsing around you if you're if you're if you're feeling good in yourself and you're you know you're going along the right way. So I ended up doing a lot of self study, and I suppose what that really means is I started to do a lot of reading. I started to take responsibility of where I was in my life. I started to own my own behaviors and my own stuff, the stuff I didn't like. And then I went into yoga in a big way, and I I um I started doing study in that, and I found it really really beneficial. But it's been it's been a real gift to my life. So. Even though it's not about necessarily laughing at the person, the situation, but I suppose on a greater scale right now in my life, I feel like I have had the last laugh because I, I, I've done the work and I've yes. gone on a tough old road of, of, of learning about myself. And it's the, as a friend of mine says, the evidence is in your life. And I feel like I'm in a really good place. I feel very, very thankful for where I'm at. So um, it's almost so like a good one, yeah. if, you had a, if you had known then what you know now, yeah. weathering the storm would have been 
it wouldn't have been as painful. Mm, totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. And that's brilliant. I love what you just said. <laughs> Thank you. I was trying to be poignant. <laughs> okay. Sheila, if laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be? So many things. I mean, like, bar the obvious activities one can do to bring about joy and pleasure in your life. Um, <laughs> which I mean... More innuendo there. Which I mean tea and chocolate, obviously. <laughs> obviously or listening to music or whatever um i'm a big fan of a hug yeah yeah as you probably know from bill mm. i love a hug i think a hug is a great thing you know just to wrap your arms and a lot of people i know are really uncomfortable with hugs so i totally get it um i've converted a few people i'm still working on others and maybe maybe some people will never get there and mm-hmm. if that's not the thing i totally respect that mm. but i think a hug is a great thing to um to give yourself and to give someone else. I think you feel great. I also, because I was raided by the sea, I, I think there's nothing better than on a breezy day, throwing on the jacket and going down for a walk. The best yeah. ever. The Atlantic is magic, isn't it? Oh, at, at Christmas, one of the main things I look forward to is the Stephen's Day walk in Doolin. It's yeah. like an 8K walk, sea breeze. You know, you're, you're stuffed from the dinner the day before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is magic. Yeah. And it is that thing where ideally if you can come in out of the cold then and, and either a cosy pub or, you know, I love nothing more than I'm a, I'm a real uh, owl fella, really. I love chowder, <gasps> chips and a pint of Guinness. I was about to say chowder. Okay, there I wasn't you go. I sure if you liked it. Love it. Love Ch- it. Did you say chips with the chowder? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure, look. Do you dip the chips Car- in? Carb loading. <laughs> Love it. Do you oh, dip yeah. the chips into the cheddar? No, but I'm going to know. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I love it. And a pint of Guinness. Chase Nothing it like with it. the pint. Lovely. Yeah, yeah, you love that. Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. they're great, actually. They're good answers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, as if I didn't expect it from you. Like, Okay. Uh, a quick fire round. Oh, dear. Okay. Are you ready? Oh, I don't know. Okay. The movie you always laugh at. This is sort of a... It's called Quickfire, Sheila. Oh, Quickfire. Okay, well, Quickfire <laughs> would be Nacho Libre. Oh, very good. Yeah. Now, if you were to look at, I think, the likes of Rotten Tomatoes, I think they say it's atrocious, <laughs> but I don't care. And some of my favourite movies have been the worst poorly rated. reviewed by critics. And I'm going, I don't care. Don't care. If it makes me happy, makes me laugh. I adore Jack Black. Love him. I just have to look at him and I'm laughing. Um, I love him. I love, love, love him. Him in the holiday is like the most underrated role. Yes. He's amazing. Yeah, he is. Oh, okay. Um, oh, so, sorry, the actor or actress. So you said Jack Black. Jack yeah, Black. Jack Black would be, yeah. You always laugh at. The actress. Or sorry, I do love. Actor. I love Tina Fey. Like, she's amazing. She's just amazing. The comedian you always laugh at. The comedian I always laugh at, Law, Rob Williams was oh. just amazing. Um, yeah, wasn't he? Amazing. It's hard to believe he's no longer here when you think about it. But yeah, Rob Williams. Um, Goals. And yeah. finally, Sheila Shoga. Your worst joke. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, okay. Worst joke. I think this is brilliant, actually. Um, <laughs> I'm dating a guy from the zoo. What? He's a keeper. Oh my god that's a mic drop <laughs> Sheila thank you so much for sharing the laughs of your life thank you for having me I loved it thank you for listening to the laughs of your life I hope you enjoyed it if there's anyone you'd like to hear from get in touch 
tweet me at Theron Garhi. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review, and all those other things. This podcast is recorded in collaborative studios. Oh,